Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Beth coming at you from my closet in North Carolina. Hey, this is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. Hey, girl. Hey, how's it going? Good. All vaccinated up? All vaccinated up. Well, no. I just had my first well, one. Well, me too. Same. It's a, it's, we're, you know what? Whatever we have to do to keep the train on the track. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Things moving forward, I mean, like, we need to get the vaccines. The first right. one matters. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I was matters. very excited about that. How was that for you? Um, it was, it was very, it was very exciting. And like, I was super excited to go and get it. And um, my mom came with me because she had come to visit when I got it. And we, <laughs> I was going to a small town about 30 minutes away. And um, I was at a drugstore. And so what do you think of when you hear drugstore or pharmacy, I should say, really? The Walgreens. Yeah. CVS, Walgreens. She's like, I'll come. It's raining. I want to get out of the house. So she comes with me. She's like, I'll shop around. She comes with me and we pull up and it's this teeny tiny mom and pop place. And so it's literally like the width of probably like my living room. And it has like three or four aisles. And I go up to the counter to uh, get registered. And before I even like register to get the shop, my mom comes up to me and she's like, I'm done shopping. <laughs> so it's been 19 seconds I'm yeah <laughs> i'm like okay so you're gonna have to just hang out here for a little bit or go to the dollar store next door <laughs> like, so that was just fun it was a teeny teeny tiny place so yes mine was a drive-through oh yeah yeah I mean, a lot of people are doing that so. it was a drive up which was actually great because you don't even have to put your regular pants on for that so that's awesome but So, like, the way that they had it was they had up until, like, five miles before it, there were, like, roads blocked to get there, right? Because they only want you to come in one way, and then they want you to exit the other way, and they don't want traffic and stuff like that. So, the police were there and had the roadblocks. So, for, like, a good seven, eight minutes prior to actually getting there, there was just this huge line of cars and we were all going and it was like very clear that we were all going to the same place to get our vaccine. And it was like a procession (laughs) and it was very weird. And I was like, I feel like we're going to a funeral. Oh goodness. Like, is it mine? I don't know. (laughs) It was just eerie feeling. You know how whenever all of this first started and we were all out and we all had masks on, And Uh we were all afraid to go to the grocery store. Like it was very awkward to go to the grocery store and everyone was just kind of like, what are we doing? Like, what is this even? What are we even doing? It was like that. It was like a feeling like that all over again where it was like, what are we even doing here? Right. Like, this is so odd that we're all like in this drive through line and the National Guard was there. Yeah. I don't know. It was just weird. Right. So it was a, it was a mass vaccination event that you Yes, it was yeah. literally. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you had your time and you had to come like in between like my time was like 12:53 to 12:56. But oh, okay. I had to like show up in between that time frame. <laughs> You're like I don't want to be late. <laughs> like hope the funeral <laughs> procession moves along because <laughs> can we wait for a vaccine? I don't know. Right. It was just weird. It was just like an awkward thing. Mm-hmm. But it ended up being fine. And you had to wait, like, in your car for those, like, 15 minutes after? Yes. Yeah, they put a um, 
like piece of paper in your car that has a time on it and you can't leave the parking lot until that time. Hmm. Like they won't let you leave until that time has expired and then you Hmm. can pull out. Oh, well, cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was fine. We got got it. It was fine. Yeah. (laughs) It was just weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is, I found it very like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe feel a certain way. I don't know. (laughs) All good. I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful yeah. to have it and for things to be moving along and opening up and same. there's that. So speaking of things moving along, we have just hit one year. I know. Can you believe it? No. Maybe y'all listen because, to the anniversary episode. Yes. Thank you, Erin, for joining us. That was so much fun. Yeah. Loved it. Anybody else feel like this one year has felt like 30? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for sure. Although I will say this has helped like this year, you know, like just having this to do with you, you know, and like having this to look forward to weekly or biweekly or whatever, however often we like get together and record, it's been like, it's very helpful during all of this. So for sure. Yes. Total savior. It's what we will always remember about COVID. I know. Exactly. (laughs) Which is great. Okay. Well, I have a story for you. I'm so ready for this because you've been kind of teasing it. So I will get into it. So I am going to tell you the story of Nancy Cooper. Okay. This case was suggested by a fellow Wake Forest listener. Oh, so she lives in my area. Her name is Carrie and it is located in Cary, North Carolina, which is like 30 minutes away. Yeah. So it's really close to both her and I. That's where all the New Yorkers moved to. Really? It's like little New York there. Oh, yeah. interesting that you call it that because when I looked it up, not that I looked it up, but when I was researching this case, Cary, North Carolina is actually known as the futuristic Pleasantville. Who knew? I don't know. I don't know if that's good or bad, but hmm. isn't that interesting? It is interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of the safest places, I guess, in the country to live. So, Okay. So this happened in 2008. I was living here at the time, but I have never heard of this case. So that's interesting too. Was I I living in that area? No. Yeah, I definitely was. And I actually really liked in like researching this case because there's a lot of legal things that had me like scratching my head big time. Mm. Um, We'll get into that. So, but for now, Nancy Nancy Cooper. Okay. Okay. So Nancy was born, Nancy Lynn Rents, in 1973 in Alberta, Canada. She grew up in a very close family. She was one of four children. Nancy was an identical twin. That's Hmm. so cool to me. She had a twin sister, and then she had another sister and a brother. Nancy was described as sporty, fun-loving, and very smart. She was really popular. She was dynamic. She had a lot of friends, and she was a very avid runner. Wow, just she's cool. just like all around a great person. I mean, she's she's in it all. She's nice. She's a sporty person. She's smart. Like, yeah, she got it all. Popular. She's got a twin. She's Canadian. <laughs> okay, so after college, she got an IT job working for IBM in Calgary, Canada, which was not far from her hometown. And she also owned her own clothing store. Love what? it. Love mm-hmm. it. So she had always dated 
men or boys, whatever, men, who were similar to her, very outgoing, very popular, but she had had her heart broken a lot of times by these men. So in 1998, she met a coworker from IBM named Brad Cooper. Brad was very soft-spoken and quiet and reserved. And to Nancy, he was exactly the opposite of everybody that she had ever dated. So he seemed very safe to her. And by that time, she had wanted a family and a steady life. So she dove all in and fell very deeply in love with him pretty quickly. And he also really cared about her a lot. So Brad was born Bradley Graham Cooper, also in 1973. Their birthdays were seven weeks apart, by the way. That's like really fun birthday parties Mm -hmm. that you could throw. Yeah. He was also born in Alberta, Canada, but he grew up in a um, town like kind of right outside there called Medicine Hat. Have you ever heard of that? Medicine no. Hat? No. Isn't that a band? Like a rock uh, band name? I mean, I don't Hat? know about that, but it's an interesting name. I'm pretty in sure it is. So Brad was very athletic and he had an above average IQ. So he's extremely smart. And he also worked in IT for IBM He was extremely driven and very good at what he did. And I also read that he had a blog called Adventures of Brad. But yeah, like about his job and his work and like all his outdoor activities and stuff that he did. I couldn't find it. But anyway, try Googling Bradley Cooper, by the way. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, it's <laughs> like I'm guaranteed it was hard to find stuff about him when there's another one out there. Exactly. I got some pretty pictures, mm-hmm. but I had a hard time finding the blog. So if you find it, guys, send it because I really kind of worked pretty hard to find it and never could. So Nancy's family really liked Brad and they saw the two as a great match and that they were very much in love. Brad even helped out doing some of the computer programming stuff in like Nancy's family business. So, I mean, he fit right in. Like, everybody just really liked him. So on Christmas Day in 1999, Brad proposed to Nancy with a stunning diamond ring. And the two of them began planning a big wedding. He proposed on Christmas Day. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I just, do you love that? I don't know. Um, I mean, I love it for other people, but I don't know that I would have wanted that. Did your, did your husband just pick, like, a random day? Yeah. Yes, yeah, mine too. I was on spring break and I went to go visit him. So, <laughs> day in March. Okay. Well, because I was a teacher. Oh, <laughs> okay. That sounds better. Okay. So, Brad got offered this amazing job with Cisco oh, in yes, I know Raleigh, that North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big company. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it was in Raleigh. So, he took the job and made plans to relocate to the U.S. Because remember, they're living in Canada. So they decided that Nancy would come with him. But in order for her to do that, due to like immigration reasons, the two of them needed to be married. Mm. So instead of having the big wedding that they had originally planned, they did a small ceremony in October of 2000 and got married. And then that next January, just a couple months later in 2001, the two of them moved to the U.S., they set off on this new life, and they moved to a suburb of Raleigh called Cary, North Carolina, the futuristic Pleasantville. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or little New York, as I like to call it. (laughs) Either one. 
<laughs> now, Nancy, whenever she moved here, she wasn't able to work because she wasn't a U.S. citizen and she didn't have a work visa. So at the beginning of her move here in 2001, she was like pretty unhappy. She was kind of bored. She had been used to being this very professional IT person. She owned her own clothing boutique. She had a lot of family and friends, you know, in her hometown where she grew up. So she was like lonely and bored. Mm -hmm. But over the years, she began to find friends and she picked up some hobbies and stuff that kept her busy. She would run and do like races and um, extracurricular stuff that kind of helped. And she met friends through that. She would also nanny and do odd jobs for people that would kind of like pay her cash under the table. Mm -hmm. So give her a little bit of funny money. Then in 2004, the couple had a daughter that they named Bella. And then in 2006, they had another daughter that they named Katie. So Nancy became this very devout, dev dedicated. <laughs> <laughs> Got it wife and mother and she was a very hands-on involved mom and the couple's life began to like it was just pretty idyllic you know what I mean like just from the outside looking in it was just a normal family Brad's job was doing really well he was extremely successful he earned his MBA from NC State University which is a local college here in Raleigh and he worked as an engineer for Cisco Brad was an expert in merging internet technology and phones. Oh, wow. Hello, smartphones. Yeah. So he was one of only 52 people in the world at that time that specialized in this, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, that thanks, is Thanks, cool. Brad. Right? Mm. But also you suck. So the two of them had a beautiful house in an affluent neighborhood in Cary. They had two BMWs in the driveway two beautiful daughters. Brad was a successful computer tech guy. Nancy was like this beautiful, fit, loving, stay-at-home mom and wife. Got it? <laughs> yes, do you I do. you warm and fuzzy about it? <laughs> I do. I do. Except you've already said Brad sucks. So. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm going to fast forward now to July 2008. Hmm. I'm just going to jump in right here. Okay. So the couple, they were both 34 years old and had been married about eight and a half years. Nancy was currently training for a half marathon. She and Brad had been woken up the morning of July 12th, which was a Saturday. And their daughter, Katie, who was almost two at the time, had woken them up because she wanted a bottle. Okay. They were out of milk. So the two of them tag teamed, tag teamed trying to calm her down and eventually at like six o'clock in the morning after they couldn't get her settled down, Brad leaves to go to the grocery store to get some, which was just like a mile from their house. It was very close. So he gets the milk. He comes home. By that time, the whole house was up and Nancy, his wife, had started like doing laundry and doing some housework, like normal Saturday stuff. And she realized that they were out of laundry detergent. Oh, so no. she sends Brad back to the store to grab laundry detergent. And while he was gone, she called him and she's like, oh, we're out of a couple more things. Can you just grab them while you're there? And that was around like 640 in the morning. So Brad gets them, he comes home. And a few minutes later, at around seven o'clock, Nancy leaves the house to go for a run. Okay, 
Around 10 o'clock that morning, Nancy's friend calls the house looking for Nancy. Nancy was apparently supposed to be at her house at like 9 o'clock, but she hadn't shown up. So Brad said, well, she went for a run at like 7 o'clock and she hasn't come back yet. So Brad doesn't seem very concerned about this, but the friend is like, well, that was three hours ago. But okay. Okay. So and she wasn't fine. supposed to run with her friends. She was supposed to just go and visit. As far as they knew, she was just going okay. for a run. So her friend called another one of their friends and is like, have you heard from Nancy? She was supposed to be here this morning. I don't know where she is. And that friend had said, well, actually, she was supposed to meet me this morning at like eight o'clock. And I haven't heard from her and she didn't come. So at that point, this is like two people now that have expected to see her that morning that she has not, that she's like stood up essentially. Mm -hmm. So she had a busy Saturday morning. Right. Sounds like my nightmare, but. I know. No kidding. That's early to be meeting some friends. (laughs) (laughs) If you're my friend, you know, I'm not going to meet you at eight o'clock on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. Okay. So these two friends are pretty worried, but you know, what are they going to do? It's like, where is she? Who knows? So at about one o'clock, Brad calls the friend back and says, listen, I st- Nancy still isn't back. I still haven't seen her. She still hasn't come back from her run. And now he was worried. But so it's 1 p.m. One o'clock and she left <laughs> at seven. Right. Like, I'm sorry. You should have been worried. Even if you're training for half marathon, she's going to be gone two hours max if she's that avid of a runner. I know. I, I, I knew you would know like the specifics <laughs> of like the half marathon training. But okay. So the friends start calling other friends. They start seeing if they can track her down. If anyone's heard from her, no one has. They call hospitals to see like in the area to see if she's been in some type of an accident or, you know, anything like that. They call her family. Like she calls her twin sister in Canada. Have you heard from Nancy this morning? We can't get a hold of her. And her family is like immediately worried. They were literally like, this is not like her. Like, we're super worried. Can you please call us back? There's just no sign of her. So finally, around 2.15 p.m., her friend calls 911 and reports her missing. Oh, not Brad. Not Brad, her friend. So you can listen to this 911 call, and it's hard to understand, but you can also read the transcripts. I did both of those. The friend is very worried about her. Like she is verging on panicked and she says things to the 911 operator like, I don't know what we should do. I'm really worried about her, her husband and her living together, but they're having problems. They're in the middle of a divorce. I'm just really worried about her and I don't know what to do. They're separated, but they still live together and I just don't know what to do. Like over and over and over again, she says things like this. Okay. So Nancy is listed as a missing person and the police and her community begin looking for her. They search like all the running trails and paths and surrounding areas where they think she might have gone. Her parents actually end up coming from Canada to help. They hand out flyers. There are some reports from several people that they saw her running that morning. But like all of the areas that they said they were, she was running, they just can't find her. They can't locate her. So they hold press conferences. They have large search parties. But days go by without anything. They can't find her. They don't hear from her. She's just gone. She's just missing. Then on that Monday, which is two days later, there is a man walking his dog. 
Why is there always a man walking their dog? By the way, I don't know. these stories, like literally every time there's always somebody with, don't walk your dogs. <laughs> you don't <laughs> want to find something you don't want to find. It's just <laughs> awful. It's always someone walking their dog. So he's in a neighborhood that is currently being developed, but it doesn't have any houses yet. So it's like a, like a community that they're developing, but they're just clearing lots at that point. Okay. And he spots a woman lying in a drainage ditch. Uh-oh. And he calls 911. So this woman is later then identified as being Nancy Cooper. Mm. Nancy was found face down in like a storm drain. So like a ditch, like a drainage mm-hmm. ditch. Mm-hmm. And this is about three miles from her home. She was wearing only a sports bra, but was otherwise completely nude. Oh, Nancy, right. Nancy had been strangled. And her hyoid bone was broken. So the hyoid bone is that bone that's in your neck. Like it's like your Adam's apple bone Uh that whenever you're strangled, that's like a a very clear sign that someone has tried to strangle you because that brain, that bone very frequently is snapped. Okay. So she had no defensive wounds or marks on her body at all. Hmm. Other than the signs of strangulation, (laughs) one would think. There was also no evidence of sexual assault, which is weird because she was nude. There There was no evidence of a robbery because she was still wearing some like pretty large diamond earrings Mm. in her ears when she was found. And in the area that she was found, there were no signs of a struggle, which indicates that she... Whatever happened, whatever attack happened, probably did not happen there. She was probably dumped there or like right. placed there after her death. The only evidence that they found were some tire tracks that were in the area and some shoe prints that were located fairly close to her body. So I will tell you what they find out about Nancy's death right after this break. Hi guys, we're Mary and Vanessa, the host of True Crime Dropouts. Join two best friends and former criminal justice majors as they pretend to know all things true crime. So sit down, grab a broom, drive, we really don't care, and give us a listen. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere really. And don't forget, stay in school or you'll end up like us, degree list without that fabulous FBI job. Okay. So as the investigation unfolds, investigators learn that the Cooper's marriage was definitely not what it seemed. Mm. I know everyone's shocked by this. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) The couple had been going through some very contentious times over the last, like, year or so. It had been reported that a few years earlier, Nancy had discovered that Brad had been having an affair with Nancy's friend. Okay. Not one of the friends that was so worried about her, I hope. No. 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 So this so Brad admitted to this affair and said that they had had sex one time. This is terrible to me. Bullshit. In Nancy's closet. <laughs> okay. In her closet. In her closet. I have such a problem with that. I'm sorry, it's my happy place. Like, no. 
So this is like a triple Rammy, right? Like for me, it is. I mean, he, her husband had an affair. Mm-hmm. Whammy one. With her friend. Mm-hmm. Whammy two. In her closet. Right. Like get out. Well, get out. Mm-hmm. Get out, dude. But despite all of this, Nancy had actually wanted to work on their relationship. So the two of them went to counseling. During their counseling, Brad had confessed that the affair had actually not been a one-time thing, which Christy (laughs) (laughs) predicted. And it had been going on for quite some time and that they actually had had quite strong feelings for each other. So after hearing this, Nancy was like, I'm... I'm O-U-T, mm-hmm. like Babrad. She said that she was not putting up with it. She was done. She was going to leave him. She said she was going to go back to Canada and take the girls with her. Oh. So Brad did not like this plan. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, you're not. So he actually completely cut her off financially. He, oh, Brad. Right? He took away or canceled her credit cards and he put her on a weekly allowance that only allowed like enough money for groceries and diapers and things like that. Listen to this. He would fill her car up with gas only a little bit so that she could never get very far away. What? What? That's crazy. Oh, that's crazy. That is, yes, it's ridiculous and very controlling, clearly. And he's the jerk who screwed everything up. Right, exactly. It's his fault. Okay. So Nancy, to get extra money, began doing work like painting people's homes, doing landscape for people or housework. But when Brad found out that she was doing things like that, he would either like give her less money that week for her allowance quote Or he would just not give it to her at all. Mm. So he got real mad about that too. So Nancy spoke with an attorney and was like, I need out. Mm -hmm. Like I have, I can't get a job. This man is financially controlling me. It's abusive and I need out. And the attorney basically told her that she was only in the U.S. because of her marriage to Brad. And that if she left him and was no longer married to him, that there was a real strong possibility that she was going to be deported. But and her kids, kids would be not able, be. They would not. Okay. No, they would not be deported. They would stay with Brad. So she was basically in a She was stuck. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was completely stuck. She, she couldn't work. She couldn't get a job. She couldn't get money to pay for her own way out. And if she even tried to leave, she would face like losing everything, literally everything. So she's completely stuck and terrified. So despite all of this, Nancy reached out to her parents for help. And was like, I need out. And her parents were like, okay, we're going to help you. We're going to help you find an attorney. And we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure out the custody and all the stuff with the kids. And we're going to get you out of there. So she ended up filing a separation agreement with an attorney that was sent to Brad. Now, in this separation agreement, Nancy requests child support and alimony. And she also stated that she would be leaving the U.S. with the girls so that she could go back to Canada, get a job, and start providing for her children because she was going to be a single mom at this point. So she could only do that in Canada. And that if Brad wanted to see the girls, like have visitation with them, he would have to come to Canada, essentially. Okay. So Brad was like, "Um, no. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So it's reported that he was very unhappy with the terms of this agreement. And he thought that the amount of money that she was requesting was like outrageous and that they would not be separating. And she would not, in fact, be leaving the country at all. She was going to stay right where she was. Mm. So in turn, he took the children's passports and hid them so that she could not leave the country with his children. And she's not going to leave without him, right? Yeah, no, I don't know many moms that would. Right. So it's even reported that Nancy slept in a room with her girls, locked the door, and kept the car keys in her pocket. Oh, wow. Like, can you imagine? She's scared. Yeah, she's legit afraid of him. Exactly. So the couple at that point were, I mean, people started to see it. You know, they would, like, fight openly. They would complain about each other sometimes to, like, their friends or neighbors or whatever. So, like, there was contention. So a couple weeks before her death, Nancy's parents and her sister traveled to the U.S. and they went on a beach vacation together in South Carolina without Brad. He did not go. Her family said that, and like, during that vacation that Nancy was, like, unrecognizable. She was so unhappy. She was so stressed. She was afraid. She was, like, miserable. Right. Mm. So her father even asked her at some point during that vacation if she was afraid for her life. Oh, my goodness. So like she was so miserable that he was like, like, can you even go home? And she was like, no, I don't think he's going to do something like that. It's fine. Six days later, she was dead. So on the day her body was found, her family, who is fully aware of all this stuff that's going on and trying to help her, filed for emergency temporary custody of the girls. And they won. Oh, they did. They won. Wow. The courts granted them custody of the girls. That's a very interesting. They're in Canada, right? They had already gone back to Canada. No, they were still in the U.S. at that point. Oh, they were. Because it was literally the day her body was found that they filed that paperwork. So, but they did take custody of the girls. But Brad, you know, is obviously like fighting tooth and nail. Like, I've done nothing wrong here. Mm -hmm. You can't take my children. So it's this big legal custody battle for the two children. So Nancy's family and close friends are telling the investigators all of this information. So Brad is like immediately a suspect, right? And a lot of this information was leaked to the public and the case was pretty big. It was pretty big news in North Carolina Mm -hmm. and everyone was gunning for Brad. He was a really hated man. Like, everybody blamed him. Everybody thought that he was this cheating, awful, controlling husband. And he was very hated. Mm -hmm. So in October 2008, which was three months after Nancy's death, Brad was arrested and charged with first-degree murder for Nancy. Oh, wow. Okay. So his trial began in March 2011. Here's what we know. This is the stuff that we know for sure. Okay. Friday night... July 11th, 2008, which is the night before Nancy went missing. There was a barbecue in the neighborhood. So it was a beautiful summer night. The adults were all like sitting out, eating, drinking. Kids were running around. It just seems typical for here, right? Mm -hmm. It's like NC life. And it makes me excited for summer a little bit. Yeah, right. So the couple has been reported to have fought openly at this barbecue about money. And Brad ended up leaving early at like eight o'clock and went home to put the kids to bed. Nancy stayed behind and apparently was like speaking with some of her neighbors, which were close friends of hers, about how awful things were 
between her Mm -hmm. and Brad. So Brad goes home at eight. He puts the kids to bed. And then he said that he went to bed about nine o'clock. Nancy left the party a little bit after midnight and then presumably goes home. So he reports that they were then woken up at four o'clock in the morning to the little girl crying because she wants milk, which I actually find odd personally because we know that Nancy did not sleep with Brad. She slept in a room by herself with the kids. Like, why was he even waking up? I don't know. I think that's weird, but okay. That's what he said happened. So then at six o'clock, he goes to get milk at the grocery store. He is seen on CCTV at the grocery store at that time. And then they do see him again on CCTV at like 635 when he goes back to presumably get laundry detergent. Then they have a record of a phone call that came into Brad's cell phone from their home phone at 6.40 a.m., which is when Brad had said that she had called asking him to pick up a couple more things while he was at the store. Mm -hmm. They have a record of this phone call. Somebody called from the house phone to his cell phone. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he was gone. (laughs) Yes, he was gone. But he he was was on on CCTV. CCTV. So he was at the store. Hmm. So then he says he goes home. Nancy leaves to go running about 7 o'clock in the morning. He doesn't see her again after that. Two days later, she's found dead three miles away from their home. That's what we know. Okay, I'm just going to say this case is really controversial because there is a lot of people who feel extremely strong on both sides for Brad's innocence and his guilt. So I'm just going to go over both sides. I'm going to tell you what we know. I'm going to present the most important evidence. There's a lot of evidence. Like you can watch the entire trial, the entire trial, which was two months long, online if you want to. So if you want to do that, go ahead if you want to sleuth it. But I'm going to tell you the the most important things. Okay. So the prosecution is accusing Brad of choking Nancy upon her return from the barbecue that night after midnight because he was afraid of her taking the kids back to Canada and of him having to pay her all kinds of money. So then he puts her in his car and then dumps her body in that drainage ditch and then went to the store the next morning to be on CCTV for an alibi. Brad never calls the police to report Nancy missing. Remember, her friend did. And interestingly, after she was found, he does not attend her memorial service. Shut up. That's weird, right? And like, like that's sus- suspect. Like, oh, yeah. No, that's that's He doesn't go. Because he move. feels... <laughs> exactly. He feels like he's like being judged for what happened or whatever. And so he just doesn't want to cause drama at her memorial okay, service. Well, but like, you're causing your wife more drama dude? for yourself because you're not showing up at your own wife's. Yeah, the mother of no your more. children. So the defense claims that there is no evidence that Brad committed this murder. Okay. So there's no evidence in their home that is are any signs of a struggle. There's no evidence. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. He could have cleaned up. There's no evidence on Nancy's body that could could connect Brad to her murder. Okay, so remember the only two pieces of evidence that they found at the scene were tire tracks and footprints. And so neither, no... neither one of those are a match to either one of the Cooper's vehicles or Brad's shoes. What about the friend? 
What friend? Friends. Oh. The friend's car that he was having an affair with. True. Maybe he took her car. Maybe he did. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So you're going to be on the websites. That's <laughs> Okay. So there is also sightings of her running that day from several people, if you remember. So if people saw her running, then who was that if she's supposed to be dead by that time? Then there's also that phone call that was made at 6.40 that morning Mm -hmm. from their home to Brad's cell phone. And there's record of that. The girlfriend. So, well, who made that phone call? We don't know who made that phone call. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's his girlfriend. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this poor girl. (laughs) Sorry, girlfriend. I don't know anything about you. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's possible. I mean, for sure. Okay, also, and this is, no one talks about this, but I just found this really interesting. If he's at the store... At 6 o'clock in the morning and then again at 6.35 in the morning, where are his kids? Like, where are the two daughters? If the mom is dead... With the girlfriend. <laughs> you know what she's going to say. <laughs> okay. Because they're still this. sleeping. P- possibly, yes. But she woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning, so apparently not. Allegedly not. Okay. <laughs> okay. So there is evidence on Brad's computer that there was internet activity just after midnight. That Friday night. Okay. So remember, he said he brought the girls home at eight o'clock and then he went to bed at nine o'clock. Right. So if he went to bed at nine o'clock, then why is there internet activity on his computer until midnight? Oh, until midnight. I thought yes. you said there was internet activity up until at midnight. like right at 12 o'clock. Okay. Like, no, he was home. He was awake and he was awake when Nancy got home. So he lied about that. Like, they have internet. Ac- Nancy was at the party. She wasn't there. She wasn't on the computer. So it she was, was seen at the party. Until Absolutely. Then, so, they yeah. knew when she went home. Mm-hmm. So he lied about that. So the prosecution actually alleged. Now, this is crazy. So hold on to your pants. So they allege that Brad actually set his computer up to make that phone call from his home to his cell phone. And they had expert witnesses, an expert witness that testified of like 10 different ways that this could be done. Well, especially did help with the technology. (laughs) Especially for a computer person who specialized in internet and phone communication. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's this specific router that is needed in order for this to be done. So like just your mine and your router could not probably do this. You have to have like a specialized router and it is actually on record at his company that Brad had one of these routers. But whenever they did a search of his home, that router was missing. Well, yeah. Duh. Right, of course. <laughs> of course. Brought it back to work. <laughs> no, they he didn't bring it back to work actually. His work said that he took it, he borrowed it, and he never brought it back. So then, then, investigators found a Google search of the exact location that Nancy's body was found. And it had been zoomed in right on that storm drain where her body was located for 41 seconds. And this was done the day before she disappeared. And there were no other searches. Decent amount of time. 41 seconds. Yeah, that's a long yeah, time. I mean, like yeah. it would take, it, you guys would be super bored if we counted to 41 and just sat here with mm-hmm. dead air. So the defense argued that this search was planted, planted on his computer. 
Because but they who, say, I don't know. That's what I said. Who would do this? Like the right. police, the FBI? I mean, that's what they're saying. So first of all, they're saying he's a computer genius. Why would he leave evidence of this? Like, why would he cover his tracks in all different areas and leave evidence of this one stupid search that could absolutely sink him? Mm, like, fair. okay, valid. Then they claim that there are like timestamps that don't match up, like the timestamps of the search don't make sense with other things that are on his computer. It's a bunch of technical discrepancies that would bore you. Mm -hmm. But they had two experts apparently that were ready to testify to this, but the judge did not allow their testimony. So the first one, he said that their expertise was not sufficient enough to be able to testify to this particular like type of information. And then the second one, he said that it was brought up too late in the trial to be admitted in, into evidence. So the jury never heard that. The jury never heard the testimony that there was a possibility that this computer stuff had been planted. Yeah. So well, that's like a technicality almost that they didn't get to hear it, like that it was brought up too late, you know, like too it, bad. It absolutely is. Yeah. It's just, yeah. yes, it's just paperwork. Okay. Mm -hmm. So also, interestingly, Nancy's cell phone records were completely deleted by accident by the police. So that's weird. That's weird. Just weird. Yeah. So the defense is saying like, we need to know what's on that. Like potentially she had somebody else who like could possibly have been gunning for her life that we don't mm -hmm. know anything about now because all of her cell phone records have been lost accidentally. Like they couldn't get them again from the carrier? Well, they got the cell phone records as far as like who she called and who called her. But like anything that was like text messages, like oh, what okay. they actually said or like emails or pictures or anything like that, they could not get that type of information. So like they could see so-and-so sent her a text at 9.40 a.m., but they couldn't see what the text was. Okay. Or like things like that. So, I mean, that's weird. I mean, how much could mm -hmm. it have told them? I don't know. But they claim that it had information that was pertinent to the case. So Brad, he says in his testimony that he did put Nancy on a budget. He claims, yes, I did. I took away her credit cards and I put her on a budget because we were in debt and she was spending a ton of money and it was uncontrollable. And there actually is evidence that the two of them were like $40,000 in debt. Oh, wow. Okay. So, and they have evidence of that. Like they have statements and evidence. Also, he has no history of physical violence towards her or anyone else. So they're mm -hmm. saying like, there's literally no evidence. Doesn't this remind you of Scott Peterson? Like, I'm yeah. sorry, but doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like if you've ever really delved into the Scott Peterson case and the evidence they actually have for him, this reminds me so much of it. And you could, I mean, you just have to pick a side. You just mm -hmm. really do have to pick a side. I already did. Crazy. I picked one. Okay. <laughs> so the trial lasted two months. We're going to find out what side you picked. The trial lasted two months, and in the end, the jury came back with a verdict. And do you want to guess what it was? Do you want to weigh in? Go, go. Here's your chance. I'm going to go with not guilty since I know how frustrated you were by this. <laughs> wow. Okay. Brad was actually found guilty <gasps> by a unanimous vote of first-degree murder of his wife, Nancy Cooper, and was sentenced to life in prison. Hold on. I'm still frustrated. <laughs> Close your mouth. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 
In 2003, two years later, the North Carolina Court of Appeals overturned his conviction, saying that the judge erred in not allowing the testimony of the defense regarding the expert witness about the computer hacking. So they're saying those experts should have been allowed. The jury should have been able to hear the testimony of the evidence showing that there's a possibility his computer was hacked. Okay. Okay. So he was given a new trial. But instead of moving forward with a new trial, our friend Brad took a plea deal. In the plea deal, he pled guilty to the second degree murder of Nancy and was sentenced to 12 to 15 years in prison, but that the five years he had already served would count towards that time. Oh, Lord. Okay. Okay. In exchange for taking this plea deal, he relinquished all parental rights to his two daughters. So grandparents, her parents have them? Yes. So her sister actually had had custody of her twin sister had had custody of the girls this whole entire five years. And he, by taking this plea deal and getting only 12 to 15 years versus life, we're taking a new trial. He relinquished all parental rights towards them. So Is he he's out now. He must be. Yeah. So he served twelve years of that sentence, so the minimum, and was actually released from prison in November 2020. At the age of 47. He was only 47. Okay. Oh my gosh. I know, just this November. So it was said that because of the immigration status, that upon his release, he would actually be deported back to Canada. Because he was here on like a U.S. work Mm -hmm. visa, but has now pled guilty to a felony. So he can no longer be in this country. But it's not been confirmed whether he actually has been deported because you can't do that due to privacy laws. Oh, and we don't Rona was happening. So like, well, borders were closed and stuff. Not in November. I think they could have taken him. Oh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But we don't know. I mean, we assume that he's back in Canada now that he's been deported, but we don't actually know that. So their two daughters, Bella and Katie, are now 14 and 16. And they, again, live with Nancy's twin sister in Canada. And even though he pled guilty to the second degree murder of Nancy, he still claims that he had nothing to do with her death, that he's innocent. He has nothing to do with it. Hmm. So it's no question that Brad was a bad guy. He was a bad guy. He cheated on Nancy. He financially controlled her for whatever reason that he says. We know that he did that. He admitted that he put her on an allowance or whatever. And he's kind of a crab dad because, like, he gave up his rights to his kids instead of, like, fighting for them or fighting for his innocence. He was just like, that's cool. I'll just give up my rights. But did he kill her? Uh, Yes. (laughs) I think so too. I think it's like awfully coincidental that the two of them were having so many problems and she was literally on the verge of like getting her independence, leaving him with nothing, like with all of his money, his children, and then she winds up mysteriously dead. Yeah. Like who else did that? Yeah, that's not a random act. I mean, I guess it could be, but... No, there's too many but, things happening. Yeah. But coincidences are not evidence. I and the only actual evidence that they had against him was hearsay, what was going on in their relationship and computer searches. 
I know, but pretty incriminating computer It's incriminating, searches. I think, too. And it's also very ironic to me that IT screwed the IT guy. Just right. Put that out there. <laughs> right. And just that he also had the capability of doing some of the things that they said, like 100% could have done those things and had the equipment to do it. Like the they phone just couldn't call. find it. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. And that is the story of Nancy Cooper. Thank you very much, Carrie, for the suggestion of this wild case. It is a wild case. Wild. Was, yes. And I can see why you were frustrated by it. <laughs> and there's so much more. There's so much more. There's right. all this discrepancy about whether they actually were doing laundry and did they really need laundry detergent and like all kinds of stuff that's like wacky wild. <laughs> anyway. Right. Well, then and why did he need to be on CCTV twice just to prove that he was just like going back and forth, like that his like crazy story. He needed to hone it in. Like, I am not home. My wife is home with my kids. Right, right. God, what a douche. And I will say that in all the theories that I read, never did I read the theory that his mistress was at home with the kids or making the phone calls. So like, For real? Look at you. No, it's not in there ever. I mean, that seems like obvious. You need to go on Web Sleuths and pose that as a theory now. Somebody needs to say it. You cracked the case, guys. <laughs> well, I mean, and that was just what I thought before I knew that there was like technology to do, like have his computer make a phone call. But that would have been the obvious thing to me. Like, okay, well, the mistress is yeah, there. I don't know. But they were friends. Like, I just don't know that she would help him. I don't know. I don't know this girl. Well, I mean, people do some crazy things when they're having affairs. That's true. I mean, That's absolutely true. They kill friends for having the affair with their husband. They true. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Or, yeah. Oh, so you think she totally had something to do with it? She was like offer. I mean, she's not really mentioned. Like, how, did they question her? Did they? T- I mean, they oh, had sure. to have questioned her and talked to her. Like, but she's not really mentioned in it. So it's like hard for me to, yeah, to rule her out completely. Right. Because I, there's I don't no about. like evidence evidentiary connection to her and this death in any way. Like they truly believe that he's the one who did it. I'm sure motive wise she's connected, but right. There's just no evidence of her being involved whatsoever. Very interesting. There you go. Bradley <sighs> Cooper. Bradley Google Cooper. him. <laughs> Let us know how you like the Google pictures. Him, find a, yeah. Him and Lady video. Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> find a lot of information out there. <laughs> And if you find his blog. Yeah, I couldn't find it. I don't know if they took it down or whatever, but there are support groups for him, like the Innocence of Bradley Cooper. I link some of them because I did use some of them in my research. They are very, like, gung-ho for him. Wow. Very cool. He did not do it. That's what they think. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess I believed if I believed in something that much, I would... But I don't know that I would about a true crime case, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Move anyway. on with your life, but okay. <sighs> Anyways, well, well, thanks. Thanks for um, doing that one, covering that one. And thanks for the suggestion, Carrie. That was awesome. Yes. It's an awesome story. That got my blood boiling and I it had did. lots of opinions about it during it. <laughs> I loved them too. Anyways. Um, so, yep. Keep them coming, people. Keep the suggestions coming and keep... Um, 
Find us on social media, all over, Instagram, Facebook. We respond. People can attest to it. If you write us, we're going to respond to you. We're going to let you know, you know, how we feel about you. That's the perks of a little podcast. Yeah, exactly. When we get really big, we might, might, sorry, (laughs) we might have to hire somebody else to do that. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm going to do it. (laughs) No, I know. I don't know that I would ever want to give that up. So exactly. It's fun. And we take turns doing it. So yes, makes it. No one ever knows. No one ever knows. It's gonna I, know, I know. Don't tell the weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so, yep, find us on those social media platforms and interact with us. We will get back to you. And we are, we have another tagline. I think this might be our last one that we have, right? So, unless we do my sister's, but she has to give us permission. Oh, <laughs> yes. Come on, Laura, do it. <laughs> <laughs> one of my babes. Yes. Send, send them in, though, so we can keep putting them on the end. You will hear um, Elizabeth's after today's episode, right? It's Elizabeth. Yep, Elizabeth. Okay, yep. Just making sure. Hey, hey. Okay, cool. So send more in. We want some more. So thanks for listening. We love everybody that sends us things and interacts. So keep them coming. Anyways, and always remember, the world is crazy. No, it's not. <laughs> teacher how to say this it's not crazy (laughs) (laughs) the world is scary people suck hide in your closets the world is scary people suck hide in your closets